and welcome to In the Village, a Prisoner intro cast. This week we will be reviewing the episode Schizoid Man, but before we get uh, on with that, my name is Shane, as joined as always by my good friend John. Hello. And we have two guests. Yes, Kenton, everyone, two guests. Two guests. Yes, I know. From all we, the way across the pond. <laughs> yes. We have uh, Wes and Clay. How are you guys? How are you guys doing? We're doing very, very well. Very, very well. Yeah, I'm doing uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, if you're uh, you're unfamiliar, we're also doing a uh, competing prisoner podcast. Clay can probably describe that a little bit better than I can. Right. Where, where, uh, whereas this podcast is in the village, we are actually called Back in the Village. <laughs> uh, it's a totally different take. <laughs> it's a totally different take. It's a hot ours, take. Ours is, is more of a retroactive take. Um, and we're over at backinthevillage.com, uh, where you know we've got we just finished uh, we just today finished recording Checkmate. So uh, that should be going up pretty next week, I think. Yeah. And Wes also does a uh, Star Trek podcast. Yeah, if you guys like Star Trek The Next Generation, you can go to thepenskypodcast.com or just look on iTunes, search Penske. And, uh, yeah, we're just running through all episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, giving our thoughts and opinions about all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, let's, uh, we're here to talk about The Prisoner, right, gentlemen? Yes, yes. we certainly are. We certainly, certainly are. And before we actually start, I'm going to actually break with tradition. At the moment, and uh, we, we I'm actually... leaving. The podcast is over. <laughs> How dare you, Shane? Uh, we've got a we've got a new theory. Ooh, uh, that, that doesn't new quite... theory about the show or life in general. No new theory about the show. Okay, good. Um, it's from our good friend Nutty, and she writes. So I have a new theory when it, that come to me when watching the general, so I could listen to the next episode of the podcast. What if they village? Doesn't need any information from number six. What if this is just a, what they do with retire spies? They make them run through conspiracies so they're too busy to be actually be retired. Better to have them out there with all them. Better then to have them out there with all their secrets. That's 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 interesting. So so basically the idea is that they don't actually need anything from him. They're just kind of running through the paces for the sake of, uh, uh, I guess... Just to get a power trip going? Yeah, is that, is that their whole is thing? That the idea? Possibly. They're, they're disguising it well because they keep asking him for information, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'd buy into that. By Although it makes... Uh, yeah, by hook or by crook, they will. They will. It's, um, I guess that's interesting. Although it sheds a light, I guess, on why so many other people are in this village that mm. the, the, uh, the village seems uninterested in. I... I actually thought that's actually kind of an interesting theory because I, um, there, there's been at least one episode where I felt like the village itself is, uh, uh, testing out things on, on the people who, on the villages in there. So I, I could buy that on a level of, uh, you know, if, if, if the group who runs the village is, this is the first of many villages kind of thing. Where they are actually going to use this to try and break competing spies or something, I could see why they might want to test it out on their own guys first. Or yeah, whoever. What do you What do you guys think? Honestly, I think that's an interesting take that they're yeah okay uh, that they're using um, the village as like a testing ground, and they're keeping the captured spies there so busy thinking that they're trying to break them that you know they can't go out and you know collude with the enemy. Um. I'm not exactly sure how well that that will hold up. I mean, just because yeah. they're they're. I mean, you've got that red room in the hospital where they're. You know, you can actively see them breaking people. 
Right. Um, it, it's something to theorycraft about at the very least. Yeah, it's it seems like the kind of thing that would be uh, um, it's an underlying subtext kind of thing more than a. Uh, uh, well, I think I can I can not spoil anything for anyone who hasn't watched the whole show by saying uh, that never gets explored. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> some things are better left unsaid. I guess that uh, was what the show the show where the show would go about it. What do you uh, What do you think, Shane? Well, in the Second World War, there was actually a place called the uh, Imbella Lodge, where the uh, British Secret Service was actually put people so they wouldn't um, defect. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, whole Cambridge Five thing, right? Yeah, oh, that, the, that's post World War. But. Is that is that the idea that um, is is that the thing that George Markstein claims he got the idea for the prisoner from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Now, now, I, I, maybe you guys have covered this in the past, but I'm I'm just curious to ask: Do you guys have a uh, 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 a point of view or standpoint over the whole McGowan versus Markstein debate? But who the who the brains behind the operation was? We haven't discussed that because I wanted to leave that further on down the road. Okay, no, that's cool. That's fine. Which actually, we're actually, full of opinions about yeah, it. Yeah, we? we have. Yes. <laughs> George Markstein, that son of a gun. No, um, I, I have to ask though. Uh, I don't what, know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> that's because I was leaving it for further on down the road. Damn it. <laughs> Well, without without spoiling anything about that story, I, what we can tell you is he is actually the guy in the opening credits that uh, number six hands his resignation letter to. The bald guy behind the desk, that is George Markstein. Yeah. Mm. But, sort of a co-creator, I guess you'd call him, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. general regard. But I have to ask you guys, what, what order are you guys using? Are you using the broadcast order or are you using one of the alternates? Uh, we're, using, we're using the sci-fi order. Okay, so uh, this Schizoid Man is episode number what for you guys? Uh, it is episode uh, something with a what, side what? of things. Yes. That's uh, a terrible order. What's, <laughs> what, what, what's the order we use, Clay? What's that uh, called? We're, we're using the original broadcast order. Oh. Um, so okay. it's, or if you want the DVD order. Uh, Are these guys, this, should, this should be show number eight. Uh, so they, number nine. Number nine? Is that eight, like the nine. AV yeah, Club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think... I think it's a little different from the AV Club order. Okay. Um, so what was the second episode that you guys watched? Uh, the one that Dance of the Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll go join them. <laughs> they seem they yeah, we, we just uh, – last week we covered Dance of the Dead and we were, and we were talking about how uh, – the placement of that one. And, and uh, that's one of the things that we, we generally cover yeah. in each episode is how we, how yeah. we feel – the episodes could be rearranged or yeah. such. Yeah, because I don't know about you guys, but I, f- I find the order to be mildly irritating. <laughs> Not irritating, but some, <laughs> something's gone wrong with the order uh, occasionally. Yeah. Some things yeah. get on, some things are not. Yeah. The episodes yeah. that we've covered so far are starting with Arrival, obviously. Sure. Um, Down to the Dead, Free Fall, Checkmate, Charms of Big Ben, The General, A, B, and C, and that was our last episode. Okay. Oh, all right. It's so, a weird order. Yeah, we haven't. Uh, so we're only, I think, one more than you guys have. Then. Yeah. Uh, cool. So yeah, you guys want to start uh, talking about schizoid in particular? Yep. We sure. We'll do. We'll do. I always read the TV war synopsis uh, from when it was first aired. Absolutely. So it's uh, number two person person to operation the most far-reaching yet to break the prisoner. When the prisoner's double is brought to the village face-to-face with him, the rewarded prisoner summons all his willpower to fight against the steadily mounting evidence that he is someone else, but finds that 
everything the devil says provides the prisoner with more confirmation that he is number 12 and simply imagining he wants number 6. So, as always, we have a new number We have a new number 2. What does everyone think of the number 2? I, um... I, I like him. He's he's uh, one of the th- one of the things we talk about a lot is is how the number twos are are very different, but there's kind of a uh, there's a similarity between a lot of the the actors, but they each tend to bring a different personality. And uh, I like this guy because he they play him as a very uh, 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 preppy sort of uh, school chum to. Uh, "Quote unquote number twelve. Yeah, he, fe- he feels like he's the youngest one so far, doesn't he? He, he has, so, certainly yeah. he looks youthful. But yeah, I I, uh, I agree with Clay. Um, he's he's the most sort of arrogantly chummy. All the number twos are pretty arrogant. Uh, this one's sort of the most chummy and sort of smirky out of all of them. Mm. Uh, I think that we've seen in the order that we've been saying. But uh, what would you guys think? Um, personally, I think he's the kind of guy who needs a punch in the face. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I something about um, the way the actor played this guy, uh, this version of number two, is just kind of he's he's one of those those preppy guys who you know think that they know everything, and then mm-hmm. when they when you when you catch them in a lie, they backtrack on everything. So yeah, face punching. <laughs> right. He he seems like he seems like the kind of guy. Uh, uh, that uh, that, num- that number twelve and he would have been uh, uh, frat buddies at Oxford or something. Yeah. Seems like the guy kind of guy that would have his butler give himself a massage on the table. <laughs> <laughs> to the left. Let's say you can describe him. Oh, yeah, I, I mean he's 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 certainly not uh, certainly not the worst in my opinion. I, I kind of liked his uh, he's he captures that essence of unlikability that I think is key to the number two is that they all kind of have that arrogant uh, pomposity. Mm, yeah. What about you, Shane? I actually. It's quite diff- diff- different for me, actually, because I actually grew up, quote-unquote, with the actor. Um, oh. Because um, oh. he, starred in, he, he starred in one of my favorite comedy programs when I was a kid. Oh, there you go. And he, What's that? Uh, May to December. Hmm. I don't think that one made it over, over here. <laughs> or at least I'm unfamiliar with it. He, he's a main role in that show? Yeah. Oh, excellent. So, and of course, I watched, this many, I watched that many years before I actually watched uh, The Prisoner. Is that is that that show is post prisoner? I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah, okay. that that was 1989 to 1994. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, so when I was from uh, eight to thirteen. Now that's that actually. Um, so did that did that color your uh, perception of this number two, or was it hard to to divorce yourself from that other? Or is it is it a similar role? Or no, it's, com- it's completely different role. He is a um, in this particular uh, role, he's a lawyer. He's called number four. <laughs> um, Everybody was, just doubled up. Yeah. Yes, it was a great comedy program for its time. So when I watched this, first of all, a you know how young he looks. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that was uh, that was one of the things um, when I first came across the prisoner. Uh, I only knew, and I didn't know him by name at the time, but I only knew Patrick McGowan as uh, Edward the Longshanks from Braveheart. Yeah, and. Uh, when I finally got into the show, I put two and two together, uh, and I, I couldn't believe it was the same guy. Yeah, and the judge at Time to Kill, right? That's right. Those yeah. are the mm-hmm. two big things. Mm-hmm. Which is probably a bigger role than Longshanks, maybe, in terms of screen time. Maybe not. I'm probably wrong. I haven't seen Braveheart in a couple of years. Yeah. I, when I, I, sorry, Tim Truck. No I, I recognized him from his many, many Columbo appearances. 
Oh, that's right. Uh, yes. Yeah, my, yeah. I, I don't think I remember his episodes, but my grandparents always used to watch mm-hmm. Columbo. Now, I have to ask, as as someone uh, in the UK who who watches the show, do you? I, I feel like an American audience. Um, how do I say this? Uh, you get there's less context to the actors who are in the show. Yeah. Um, because one of the things that I've read and I've noticed from watching uh, Secret Agent and Danger Man as well is there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. And I wonder if it, do the actors who show up in the show who you might be familiar with does that generally color your perception of the characters at all or? or... That, that might be intentional though. I mean, because mm. he because Baguin plays six a lot like the character in Danger Man, so. That it might be intentional that you know there's there's overlap in the worlds as to whether or not six is the same character or not. Mm. We actually we haven't covered that stuff yet. I actually uh, oh spoilers. Oh, oh. oh no no. It's, it's, <laughs> I actually kind of disagree with you on that. I think I think McGowan plays John Drake different enough that you can make you can go either way. Um, I think we're thinking about possibly uh, before we hit the finale. With, we might do a, an episode where we look at Danger Man. So uh, it would be interesting. Uh, maybe we can have you guys back or something. It would be interesting to, to talk about that if, if yeah. everybody hears. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Clay, what was the episode where he uh, he ended up in London? Oh, that's one that uh, – that uh, well, he ends up in London in Chimes of Big Ben. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. there's another one. That, yeah. Oh, okay. It's out of order. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm surprised by – like, how British would you guys describe this show? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, not really that British. Yeah. To be totally right. Honest, yeah, I don't I think mean, so. Uh, I was just talking about Anton Rogers in May to December. Um, you've covered ABNC, haven't you? Mm-hmm. We have, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Peter Bowles, who starred as A, uh, uh-huh. was a was another comedy, famous comedy actor. Really? Uh, yeah. I can't was, remember who that actor is. Starred in The Man Born, which was a very famous comedy program over here. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, I mean, I just to give you my perspective, it's um, I think watching it, especially in the pilot, it's kind of faded off since then. Um, it was kind of hard to place what they were talking about just because I wasn't sure how British this was at the time. You know, mm-hmm. and it it's, it makes it difficult for me to place how weird the village is. I think we mentioned this in my podcast uh, or our podcast, yeah, yeah. but it's um, you know, like I. I when you are put it, as an American, when you're watching this and you put into a show where a guy is walking along and people have umbrellas and they're wearing sort of top hats and long coats, and I'm wondering, you know, I look at it, I'm like, at the time, did British people sort of like, is this common dress or is the show making this sort of like, a, like, are they dressing them up yeah. to play the part? Mm-hmm. I think it's become clear that they're dressing them up, but I think the pilot didn't really do a good. Uh, the pilot wasn't as sure about where the show was going to go when they shot it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's really why we ask about how, or why I ask how British the show feels to you. Mm. So, um, so how did that uh, recognition of of the actor from uh, was it May to December? Is that the name of the show? Uh, you mean Anton Rogers? Yes. Uh, who played number two in this particular episode? Um, well, as I said, as 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 I was saying earlier, um, you know, in that he, he is a much much different character. Mm. And it wasn't until eventually it wasn't until his name came up in the uh, in the opening credits, you know, I actually recognised the guy. You know, I was like, who? I, I saw I saw the name pop up in the opening credits, and I was like, who did he play then? <laughs> who then, is this? It's one of yeah. those guys. Yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, then then of course then of course uh, about ten minutes into the episode, the ball dropped. Oh, right. he's number two. Yeah. Okay. The big the big white ball dropped. 
<laughs> Do you guys know who the actor in this episode was that played number 12? Yep. <laughs> um, I had a hard time. He looked familiar. I couldn't I think, like. I think his name is Patty Fitz. Oh, Patty uh, Fitz. He's, he scripted the episode. Too. Oh no, wait. I got it here. It's Patrick McEwen. Yeah. Oh, is, is, yeah. He's not as famous as Patrick, but he's yeah. up there. What'd you guys think of uh, McGowan's performance here as the uh, split personality schizoid? I actually thought it was pretty clever. Uh, I mean, just using the you know evil twin uh, motif. Yeah. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time he's actually referred to himself as number six. Yes, I, I, I made a big deal out of that, too, on our side. It's almost um, I know why they do it, because they can't have him just shout his name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it also makes it seem like he's buying into what the village is selling. Mm. Yeah, uh, which is kind of problematic. Yeah, because uh, no, the, the person who played number 12 was actually Frank Mayer. Oh, the stunt double? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clay saved me from a moment of awkwardness there. It's like, wait, who the, who the hell is number twelve? And yeah, the work he, he you I were mean, the new number twelve. They did a great job. They did a great job. The two of them. Uh, I think. I, I think we talked about it on our show. Um, the, the split screen work that they do in this episode is is better than a lot of better shows than it should would, be. Yeah, it's better yeah. than a lot of shows. They would do that there in was, now. There really. was only one moment where, that for me, is quite jarring. But we'll get into that when we get there. Mm-hmm. I was, just, I mean, we, yeah, we, I don't want to keep saying we mentioned it before, so maybe I'll stop saying that. But it's, uh, <laughs> cool. he does a lot of walking in the split screen, which is a nightmare to shoot. Mm, I don't right. know yeah. why they choose to do that, but he's they when they when they like regard each other, they walk like tigers in a cage, sort of yeah. back and forth yeah. at each other. Yeah, and that's a nightmare to sort of block and I, be like, I'm going to look over here when I say this. I actually picked up last night. I was rewatching it. There's a scene uh, when they when six and twelve first meet each other in, in Six's apartment mm-hmm. where um, <clears throat> they're, they're having cigars and whatnot. And usually the... the Have to learn to smoke my type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually, usually the giveaway for this thing is there's a pole or something in the center of the screen. Right. Yeah. And neither actor or neither side will pass that line because obviously they have to paste it together. But they, I, I couldn't figure out where the line was because they both overlap into each other's space. Mm-hmm. And... I was trying to figure out. I was like, well, they, I mean, this is years before they, they figured out how to do. Um, well, they can't digitally fix this. Yeah. Or, I mean, the way that they, you know, like in Back to the Future 2, they use the uh, uh, whatever. I can't remember what it's called. That The, the camera rig that it, they program the movement in. Yeah. So right. you just shoot the same thing as long as you don't overlap. Right. The exactly. Space, yeah. You can just plop it right on top of each other. No, this is just one camera stuck in place and yeah. doing two takes and, and paste cutting it. But even then, you know, I mean, if they did this on Star Trek, I'm sure you'd see that line right down the middle of the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you see it a bit in this show later, but that one scene really stood out to me as pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but we'll get into the actual body of the meat of the episode, as it were. Just okay. With that one? So, Absolutely. So, sorry if we're <laughs> screwing up your, uh, no, your it's okay. That's okay. It's okay. It's did you okay. see what they did with the doubling? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm anxious to get into the meat of it. Cool. Well, we open with, uh, number six, um, and number, and I, well, I'm just going to call it rather for the entire episode, actually. Well, you um, could just you could just refer to one as number six and the other is Flapjack Charlie Curtis. His name <laughs> yeah. is Curtis. Oh, he beats right. it out of him. Yeah. Uh, he's talking about the open ways with the uh, the girl with the mental connection. Oh, oh, right. Right. I, right. She has a name too. Yeah, Allison. Yep. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Steve, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yet another person in the village with a name, but not a number. Yeah. Mm. Unfortunately. 
it's, it's always a little bit of a weird weird thing but those cards were uh, those little psychic reading cards were were big hits for that era yeah and it's good now, that the prisoner managed to bring them into an episode yeah yeah if i can go off uh, a bit of a digression here i know we're, we're you know, we we don't do that at all in this show. But uh, <laughs> um, did that scene remind anybody of the opening of Ghostbusters? Oh, oh yes. Because yeah. I mean, is because I'm watching that. I'm like, did Ghostbusters rip this off, or is this just a common thing? I mean, no, this ripped Ghostbusters off. <laughs> oh, okay, to get yeah, to hide, yeah. They did it first. Yeah, yeah, if twenty we, years earlier, right? <laughs> if only number six had been electrocuting Allison when she got home, <laughs> then you could have been uh, hitting out the cute boy, right? Yeah. Exactly. No. Oh, okay. No, it's pure Ghostbusters. But I, I, I like that scene. It's a, it's a weird scene in that he's, uh, he's sort of friends with somebody now. Yeah. Yeah. And a girl at that because, whew, he's not yeah, because he, at her. I mean, what? Yeah. He does eventually, right? I think he. he... Uh, he never gets like angry. Well, oh, we, I think we he, can yeah. talk about it when sure. we get to that sure. point in yeah. the episode. Yeah, but um, they seem to have some sort of mental link, and um, then she accidentally knocks something over. And damages number six's finger. And the yeah. line that he says here is actually ad-libbed. What does he say, Al? Oh, no, he says uh, a mortal wound or something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> mortal wound. Yeah. That's huh, interesting. Yeah. And they, they do the, uh, that's where they take the weird cut that doesn't at all match, right? The oh, sort yeah. of weird cut of the finger? Yeah, the close yeah. 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 It's almost like they did that in post-production. <laughs> Second unit. Second, <laughs> second DP out there. Yeah. Needs to shoot this. Uh, then we cut to uh, seeing number six asleep at night. Number two when this, well, I was going to call him the doctor. Uh, have a, give him a watch. And then we see the pulsating light coming down from the ceiling. And then the yeah, order these come. to uh, get into a deeper sleep. Yeah. Because you could do that with pulsing lights. Yes. Is this the first appearance of the pulsing light? I feel like I've seen it before. Um, I believe it shows up not it's not used this way, but I believe it shows up in A, B, and C or one. There's another one. It definitely shows up before, but okay. I can't remember what it does. Because it shows Dance of the Dead, right? Is, yeah, because there yeah. was one where they, like, they lowered the whole thing down. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's probably what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So he uh, he gets hit with the light. He gets conked out. They inject him with a drug. Yeah, and then he uh, he's just sort of he he wakes up. They do, they do kind of a sh- I wouldn't call it a montage so much, but it's kind of a like a like a, 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 a dip in the toe in the water of a montage where exactly. they give you the the scene where uh, he's awake but he looks disoriented yep. and they're coming at him with a, uh, an electrified rod. <laughs> and yeah. And- <laughs> he's got a glove on his uh, left hand, right? right but now. he's batting yep. it away. With right I over. I have in front of me. Um, excerpts from the original script, and there was an entire section that was cut out. Oh, really? Yeah. About about him being trained. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. It's funny because I felt like they took they spent a long time on it here with his flapjacks and the pole. Yeah, I, I'm curious. Uh, is there are there any beats that you can that you can can tell us that that were taken out? Because it seems like they do. A pretty good job of uh, again. I mean, they they get to it later in the episode where you see exactly what they do. But um, I feel like they hit a lot of stuff. Is is there anything in particular that that stands out to you? Um, number six's food was prepared a mass man's baked plates of egg, bacon, kidneys, and kippers, but left the plate of flapjacks. Um, Doesn't he? Do, he does. He does a variation of that here, doesn't yeah, he? I think they yeah. do. 
they have a variant of Chanel. Oh, the, that, that, that's that's what it looks like. He has eggs and, and dog then shit. They give him a plate <laughs> of dog crap. <practice. laughs> what like, is that food? I thought it was black pudding. What is it? Does anyone know? I have no I, idea. I'm assuming it was black pudding as well. Okay, yeah, it, it was either a horribly burnt sausage or black pudding, but he was yeah. having bacon on the side, so bacon and sausage is not really a meal fit for... I mean, sex. I've never had black pudding, but judging by this episode, I can only assume it, it tastes like garbage. <laughs> I, don't... <laughs> I don't mind it all that much, actually. I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't serve it uh, to anybody, but I don't mind it. <laughs> the, the entire transformation took exactly a month, because um, when he's put into uh, number 12's bed, it, the calendar says March 10th. Yes. Oh, right, right. He's yeah, got that they, old school calendar. Yeah, yeah, they switch out the calendar. Yeah, which then, of course, gets reset to March, uh, February February the 10th. So, quick quick digression real quick. We haven't uh, mentioned his mustache. You, um, <laughs> you guys haven't covered many happy returns yet, right? No, we haven't. No. No, that's our next one. Okay, that, that's that's interesting. I, uh, I, for reasons that I won't talk about, but, uh, okay. but go, go on, go on. Uh, we actually see a person actually putting the wire into cigarettes. Oh, that's we we mentioned that we couldn't figure out the wire. You see uh, that is is that in the flashback? That's uh, at, towards the end after he right you know, when he breaks yeah, he, he breaks, breaks the, the cigar and there's something yeah. there's a wire in it. But uh, sorry, are you, Shane, are you saying that they hint at this before? I'll, I'll quote what I'm reading. Okay. Back at the examination room, the lab assistant inserted very fine tubes into the white cigarettes and the brand of cigars number six usually smoked. Huh. Hmm. Uh, I don't remember that. I, I just remember us – because I remember the scene because they, they shoot it so that you need to notice it where yeah. he breaks it and he notices. Yeah. But uh, we were unsure what that was. I guess it's to cause him to cough when he yeah. smoked. Uh, with the clipboard now showing the date of March 5th, number six was confront, confronted with the three cigarette boxes in number 12 sitting room. Finding these two usual brands is tasteful, he settled, settled on the black Russian cigarettes. Hmm. He's a man of uh, – Man of customs, man of things that he expects. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's you know that's an interesting scene, but I don't think it, it's it's really necessary. Um, you know, they, like I said, they they do so much uh, between the initial sequence and the uh, montage they do later. They give you yeah. enough to show you what they've done to him. The, the fact that he <laughs> finds something in the cigarettes later, I think, does yeah. the job. But it's yeah. it's a little bit uh it's a little bit insulting to being a person. Like if they're like we're gonna. They're like, we're going to change everything about you. And then I just laid there. I was like, I like flapjacks. Flapjacks are my favorite food. <laughs> I, don't, I smoke white cigarettes. I didn't even I don't well, smoke flapjacks. If, if, if we're moving on down the line of, uh, of oh, is that not that is that not that initial uh, brainwashing? Uh, uh, we don't we don't see that until later. Oh, right. sorry. Until if, if move down, uh, unless you have something else you want to say, I figure we could move on to uh, when he actually wakes up as number yeah, 12. Yeah, please, please do. Please do. Please do. With the um, well, as as we mentioned on our show, this is the this is the first and only time that you see uh, people of color in the village. Yeah, um, he 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 wakes number six wakes up with a mustache in a unfamiliar room, and he yeah. he leaves his house, and he's greeted by uh, I assume he's a Sikh. Uh, yeah, he's either Indian or, or that Pakistani religion. Or yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, which I I've always found it interesting that that's the only time it happens. Because for a sh- for a show where the concept is we have this village that is has global aspirations and and has all these people in it that supposedly know things and you know et cetera they they tend to only have well let's just let's put let's put it this way they do a really bad job of of uh, covering up that 
maybe the English just run it. Right. Yeah. That's true. Because <laughs> everybody there is white and English. Yeah. Well, that's that's probably just a sign of the times. Um, oh yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Plus, you know the. It's just, I mean, yeah, how many they, extras just, can you get in when you're shooting in England? Right. Or Wales, more of a better. more of a statement on the uh, the English, I suppose, than anything else, isn't it? No, it's yeah. with it, they do they God go out of their way to. Because this is the and Haitian we should, one, we right? We should say, Wes, you can make these jokes because your dad's English, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and my mother is uh, Indian, so. Because <laughs> no, um, this is the one with the Haitian, right? right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it just it feels like this episode goes out of its way. It's almost like, uh, it, I don't know if you guys know the show Girls that's on over here. It got lambasted a little bit for being about four white girls in mm. uh, Brooklyn. Yeah. So they went out of their way to sort of put people into plot lines that were just sort of ham-fistedly saying like we can you know cast anybody uh, it felt it just felt weird that they because they give the guy a haitian line like yeah. if this if hey, we uh, were in haiti we would just i don't know if it's haitian hey, uh, or a bad interpretation yeah i don't know if, if that line would fly these days um <laughs> but uh n- number 12 uh, everyone greets him as number 12 and he makes his way over to, to number two's office where uh he is greeted by his old pal number two yep and given breakfast of uh flapjacks where he is then referred to as Flapjack Charlie. Yes. And yeah. they just, they make him ravenous for Flapjacks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the thing is, they, they try to pull the wool over his eyes because he picks his own dinner and then right. he reveals what they've chosen for him and it's also Flapjacks. Right, right. Now, I also, I, I, I was reading, uh, uh, someone was commenting on this episode um, and mentioned that what he's eating is not there and what they think of when they think of Flapjacks. And I was because it looks like he's eating crepes. Yeah, it does yeah. look like yeah. crepes. Yeah. Is is flapjacks a an appropriate euphemism for uh, crepes? Crepes in England? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. yeah so I, if I, we're I, surf- I would say so. I'm sure. I'm, well, I'm I'm sure I get an email saying, "No, it's not. No, it's not. What are you thinking?" But yes, for me, it is anyway. Yeah, I I guess. Um, yeah, I think of the I think of American style pancakes mm, as flapjacks, right. where they yeah. wouldn't be rolled up like a crepe. Yeah, it's, it's actually funny not to go way off topic, but uh, my my girlfriend did a uh, semester abroad in Scotland, okay. and um, they did they would have a, a a pancake night, you know, once a month or something. And she was really excited, so she made the pancakes for everybody she was living with, and she made American style pancakes. And after she served them out to everyone, she realized that everyone was trying to roll them hmm. because <laughs> in Scotland. They would be making crepes much yeah. thinner. So she had made these giant, thick American this pancakes, quick, uh, that, people, pancakes. that everyone was trying to roll into, <laughs> you know, a crepe. <laughs> but being very nice about it, not saying it. No, I, I feel the same How way does because, this work? Uh, as, as, as Clay said, my my uh, father's from Britain and my grandparents live over there, and I always remember going over. And the small difference that made me the most upset was when I would order apple cider. You would oh, not okay. get American apple cider. Oh. Well, you you would get like sparkling apple soda. Interesting. Yeah, and it was always disappointing because that's all I wanted. I just wanted juice of an apple, and they <laughs> I, they didn't want to give it to me. So yeah, no, he shows up, and uh, he's now being called number twelve by number yep. two. Right. Yep. And he's got slightly dark hair and a mustache, and yep. number two is acting like they've been best buds forever. Yeah. What? Um, Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Shane. No, 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 no. You go. You go. You take it. No, I just I I couldn't remember what what's it, what is his next plot point after that? He sends him off to. Well, he they have a, a, a nice exchange in there where um six or twelve yeah. uh has reacts the way I think the audience probably would react, which is 
definitely. He says literally, you think just giving me a fake mustache will break me and think make me think I'm someone else? Yep. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're already in character already, I see. Right, right. Must <laughs> This costume is perfect. And uh, what's actually ever. really great is... Um, you know, as from from this point on, you learn that. Uh, uh, okay, let's see if we can say this without make with without it not making any sense. So, number six, as number twelve, his plan, uh, his mission is to convince quote unquote number six mm-hmm. that he is not number six, and that quote unquote number twelve is number six. Right, and. Uh, that's when, you know, the, the following scene, I think, is the first interaction between uh, number six and Curtis. Oh, he, go, he goes to his yeah. house? Right, yeah. where they, yeah. they have that first interaction. Yeah. Um, but the, the brilliance of this plan in the way that they do it is that it hinges on number six, our number six, being bad at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like an, yeah. it's an inverse of the usual kind of uh, clone or double story where yeah. – they have the person who is supposed to be taking the place of the other person just just do a really lousy job of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he can't decide if he's orthodox or southpaw. Is the, the whole <laughs> the whole problem? But they, you know, I, I watched this episode uh, again, so I've watched it probably three times now. I was a little bit struck by how much of this episode is dedicated to just them sort of one upping each mm. other. There's yeah. a like yeah. the fencing and the smoking and the drinking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a lot of not much plot really happens. It's really just sort of like, well, I'll show you who's superior. And Curtis is always coming out on top for some reason. Yeah. Well, they, uh, I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but they, they purposely screwed with him so that he thinks he's a Southpaw and that, right. you know, yep. when he, when he goes for the cigarettes, you know, obviously, you know, Oh, you, you can't need to learn to smoke my brand or something. But, uh, it, it raises the question. I mean, what's their end game with this? I mean, it, maybe it's something I missed, but I mean, yeah, sure, you're convincing him that he's, you know, number 12 and that uh, he's imitating number six really badly. But I mean, what what's the end game for this? I mean, other than convincing him that he's 12. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, I mean, the, the plan is a good one. Probably the best plan that we've seen that the village does. In terms of? Trying to break him because they, they almost broke him. Yeah, I what what I what I like about this plan is um, they take they take kind of a different tack than than they have in the past where uh, it's either been uh, taking away his hope or taking yeah. or actually me- uh, messing with his mind. Yeah. In this one, num- the defining characteristic of number six is his sense of self and his sense of uh, individuality. Yeah. And to go to strip him of his own, to, so he does not know himself yeah is is you know if they can pull it off it's a very effective a very effective thing yeah i i think that still comes down to the end point of is that going to cause him to break i guess i guess that's the ultimate goal here Mm. is like we'll just confuse him enough to the point where well we we we, my biggest as we talked about in our show my biggest issue revolves around that aspect of the plan but we can talk about that when we get to it yeah i mean uh We've already mentioned the fact that they go to uh, go to the, the recreation hall, do a bit of shooting, do a bit of fencing. <laughs> oh, the shooting! I forgot right. the shooting. Now, yeah. are you guys are you guys as as sad as I am that the recreation hall is separate from the fun palace? <laughs> <laughs> you think they'd go hand in hand? Yeah, it's poor so. poor city planning. Or the fact that you know when they're walking out, it's the same building that the art exhibit was in. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's multi-purpose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about the show is is how they reuse so much, but they, yeah. you know, they, they do it in 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 um in inventive ways. You know, they uh, a lot of the stuff in the sculptures in the general are repurposed sculptures that you see standing around the village, and you know, with the cameras in them and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Funny, uh, the funny fact actually. Do you know when they're having a, that bit of fight afterwards, you know, outside? Yes. There's actually a poster advertising a concert of folk music at the concert hall at 7:30 p.m. on Wednesday, the 15th of August, suggesting the year is 1966. Really? Who is? Yeah. And who's no. who's playing shows in the? <laughs> I need that, that bands need to uh, it's, get that it's agent. That, that one village band that plays uh, that same song. Now, well, no, that that might is that. Do you think that's just a production oversight? Because I, I imagine, uh, let's see. So the show premiered in '67 and went to. I think the last episode was in February of '68. I think mm-hmm. so. Seventeen weeks back. I mean, production. They were probably shooting in '66. I imagine. Yeah. So I wonder if that's just uh, grab what's near. Yeah, or I wonder if they Tack just missed that or something. Yeah, I can uh, give me a second, and I can give you the. I can try to find you the day. I'm sure I've got it here somewhere of when they made it. Does Port Marion exist? Uh, I know it exists, but is it like a? Um, is it functioning year round? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, if you go to their yeah, website, yeah. they have a bunch of stuff about. Um, they have a prisoner festival, and then they've got yeah, like, come, come see Port Marion and stay in this place, and blah blah blah. So like, could it? Could a legitimate band be playing there, and they're just like, "Yeah, leave that poster there." I would <laughs> well, no, because this, like, actually, yeah. the, 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 this actually is on the MGM backlot. Oh, that's interesting then. That church thing or the rec yeah. room? The okay. rec room is actually the MGM backlot. Okay, so then that's that's a, a, a conscious decision. Then. Yeah, 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 or uh, yeah, a and a subconsciously conscious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sort of, Here, it, yeah. The Schizoid Man was in production from mid-December across the Christmas period to, to the start of January 1967. Okay. Okay, so, so that's an old, tail end of yeah, it's an old poster. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, just, uh, yeah. I know that at, at the prisoner uh, c- convention or fest they do at Port Marion, they actually do the uh, the person chess game that they yeah. do in chess. Oh, do they? Yeah. They do, they do, they do. Huh. I, I eventually plan on getting there someday. Yeah. Playing the game or being a No, I, I'm terrible at chess. <laughs> and I was, I was planning to go this year, but unfortunately, work commitments have got my way. Yeah. Which is annoying. Yeah, it's, just in, it's literally in about five weeks' time. Uh, yeah, it's, I I it's re- in April, I think. I'd right? re- re- record this, so yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but hey ho. Um, so, uh, so we cut to. Number two's office, and we see Curtis. I'll call him Curtis, so we don't get confused. Okay. Uh, being interrogated by number two and right. number six, mm-hmm. doing a bloody good job of being interrogated. <laughs> right, so Curtis. Curtis is very good at his job. Yeah, yeah. he's he's obviously yeah a uh, a specialist if you want to call him that. He's willing to undergo a lot of I'd assume facial reconstruction surgery well, or. In Haiti, yes, they would say he's stolen his soul. <laughs> yes, <laughs> my favorite line. That guy, that guy has a PhD, apparently, or something. Yeah. Yes. No, the uh, yeah, he's being interrogated, uh, doing a real good job acting, uh, yeah. acting parts, and then he passes out. And um, number two calls our number six, number six. No, and he calls him number twelve because he says yeah, something, something number twelve, and our and our number six goes, "You mean six? He's like, "Oh, right." I should be careful. He almost heard that. 
Yeah. Oh, I guess the logic is twisting my brain. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, that makes it's sense. like it's like layers of of weirdness <laughs> where it's number six thinking he's number twelve, right. pretending to be number six. Yeah. No, I, I just thought it was a cute little line. Just, oh, yeah. I should pay more attention to that. No, is that that's the scene where he calls in Allison? Was, right? Yes, it is. And that I I really like that scene. Um, as much as I, I like I like bringing her in, but I but more so I actually like the fingerprint thing that they do um, because the uh, it, it's you, you all you get more of the 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 ingeniousness of this plan is having our number six see the the inner workings of trying to break Curtis. Mm-hmm. So number our number six sees. Uh, when they do the comparison thumbprints, he sees that the thumbprint matches Curtis's thumbprint, the thumbprint that's supposed to be number six's thumbprint. Right. Mm. But what Curtis is seeing is that it doesn't match. Mm. And it's like, it's this great reverse mind screwery where they're, they're actually breaking, trying to break our number six by show, by, by proving, it's, I I don't even know how to (laughs) articulate (laughs) it. (laughs) The, uh, Proving that the, his thumbprint isn't Six's thumbprint, right? Right. right yeah. Sort of remove. Same with the uh, the like, which he, he knows his thumbprint by just by looking at. Yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's he's that good. He's an expert with yeah. thumbprints. Yeah. They, they all are. They can just look at them and be like, not the same, not the same. Of course, difference. But he, I mean, he brings. It's the same with the girl because he he's under the impression that he'll be able to communicate with her telepathically or whatever. Right. And yeah. then because uh, that, that they works take every that time, from, right? Yeah. So that, that's kind of my weird thing. I don't know where you guys stand. Is her name's Allison, right? Yeah. Is Allison in on this, or is Allison yeah an innocent bystander? She's in on it. Do you think she's in on it from the start? Uh, no, I think that because cause she comes back later in the episode and talks to Six, but uh, I think that they pretty much forced her to come in and be like, "Okay, you're gonna do this wrong, and you're gonna do it with this guy." Well, yeah. so th- that in- that implies that their whole thing that you can only do this with certain people is a lie because she can do it with basically anyone. So she- she's like the Charles Xavier of well, telepaths. I, I, I always <laughs> interpret Wait, that as as they stack the deck, basically. So she oh. she uh, she having being being forced into playing this trick on six, she uh, uh, throws throws the match basically with yeah. with six, and then when. Uh, Curtis. When Curtis does it, they have a pre preset card sequence. Oh, that number six! Through. You've always got to cut the deck. Yeah, I know. encourage yeah. fair gameplay. Mm. That's at least that's that's how I read it anyway. Um, unless she, yes, is just a mutant. And I that's feel why she's in the village. Yeah, I feel it's the weakest part of the episode. Is her? Um, yeah, I, I don't understand her role mm. really. Um, and she's sort of in there just as a plot device. Yeah, I think. I honestly I, think I, you I've got a note on this actually, if you don't mind. Oh sure. yeah, go for it. Uh, one fundamental change to the story before scripting could begin was the relationship between Number Six and Allison, who would have been part of this plot to, do, to portray his sense of identity. Originally, Allison would have claimed to distinguish between Number Six and his double by kissing them. This was an aspect. Of, <laughs> this was an aspect of the narrative that Patrick McGowan immediately felt uneasy with. He would <laughs> not kiss a girl on set. Yeah, yeah, that sounds That's... about right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't want to kiss her, but what if she's got tele- telepathy? <laughs> I'm just—that's more just, believable, I'm right? Ju- just spitballing here. Yeah. Well, so, uh, he he did make mention 
Uh, we we talked about this on another episode, but he wanted to separate Six from James Bond. Yes, right. Right. yeah. I mean, his his whole standoffishness, you know, about getting in any kind of relationship, especially since the the cycle of the show is very character of the week. Mm. Um, you know, he didn't want to come off as you know man whore. Yeah. Right. No, I've I've always I. I actually, you know, we 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 joke about it because it's it stands out so much. But it's I've always liked that aspect because, uh, you know, for that reason that he's, you know, in any other show, he's gonna have a relationship with somebody and and there's yeah a minor waitress character, you know, someone yeah. that he can confide in in the and the and the fact that he uh, and you know I heard somewhere or read somewhere that you know you can't have in talking about this show you can't have a relationship without trust and he's not going to trust anybody so there's no reason why he would realistically be in a relationship with a woman um now in in this situation if if it was just allison choosing to kiss him i mean well is he is she not telepathic at all and all she can she's been kissing both of them so much that she can tell who the real kisser is does it say that in the in the in the alteration was she not originally telepathic uh, no, she wasn't actually. If I go back to what, I, uh, after some heating was about the issue with the star, the voters decided that the, if the link uh, between number six and Addison could not be be, uh, be physical, it would have to be mental, and such so the telepathic element of the plot was introduced. No, I mean I don't. I, I mean I I agree with him, and like I would make the argument if I were Patrick McGowan and they approached me, I'd be like. This story sucks. Like, I'm not going to do this. I wouldn't be like, I'm not going to kiss the girl, but I would just be like, because the argument, like, I don't understand how that would work in a one-off episode where she's like, yeah. I can always kiss and, and tell also, the real I mean, one. honestly, that's really lazy. It is. You know? yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, to, quote, to quote Patrick McGurin on that, sure. uh, I have this tremendous guilt inside me, and I would not be able to look my wife in the eye that night. I just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I... I think I would like to think that he's erring on the side of more interesting <laughs> storytelling. <laughs> um, what? I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I mean, just to clarify my position, I don't care like what McGowan yeah. is doing in real life. It's, I think it's really, it's odd to me that the show goes out of its way for him to not be interested in females, yeah. you know, and it's not, it's it's to the point of he doesn't even shoot them down in script and be like I know that you work for them or something he He's just he immediately up, yeah. rejects them yeah and it well, seems weird when you think about it well and if, uh, you know if you look back in Chimes of Big Ben um what Olga something yeah Nadia Nadia, Nadia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he had a uh, he was developing a connection with her but then you know it it turned out you know she was. Part of the she village. talked too much. That was the problem. Oh, yeah. She's in that well, box. I, hey, think, I think she's well. You know, we, we've talked about this a little bit on our show. I think his relationship to other characters um, plays into the uh, um, the narrative you can piece together depending on how what ep- what order you watch the episodes in. Because uh, we've you know when we covered Charms of Big Ben, I was saying uh, I, I had I had looked up that apparently when Canada broadcast broadcast the show chimes of big ben was the finale they didn't even show the the last two episodes and i'm I'm not exactly sure why that was i don't know if it was because they were expecting a second season or something but and watching chimes of big ben that way thinking watching it as a season finale or or a last episode it feels a lot like a later episode 
because the the way that he acts in the village, the way that he acts towards people, he's a lot more resigned to the way things work. He's almost kind of comfortable. And when Nadia shows up, she has this her character is it seems like she's meant to be kind of a mirror for six because yeah. she has that that uh, uh, um, the same job. Yeah. yeah, she's she's got the same kind of fire that he yeah. had when he got there. So I could see that being a relationship late, kindling. Or yeah, they're, they're connecting on a personal level. That's not romantic. Sure. Um and feels like something that would be better suited for a later episode. Yep. But this early in the show, um, I could totally see him being angry with a lot of the women that he comes in contact with. I mean, this schizoid man is at a, is at a point, um, even in the order you guys are watching it, where it kind of makes sense that he's backing off a little bit and becoming yeah. a little more comfortable. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting you mentioned uh, the uh, fact that John the Big Ben was – shown as the season finale mm. uh, and skipping the final two episodes uh, there's a lot more to behind that which I'm not going to get into okay I'd be, I, when you do uh, let us l- know let me know I'd be interested to hear it yeah I, I certainly would it was certainly would hmm. so uh, at this point uh, he has failed his little psychic test connection yeah he is then uh, where does he go after that well he, this this is the, that's the point where he really starts to crack right yeah or, yeah he yeah. that, is that when he goes back to – oh, I'm sorry. Just to, to, to touch on uh, – well, I guess we can talk about it now because we're getting into that anyway. Because he oh, yeah, gets – this is the part where he kind of – it's the last straw of him holding on, seeming to hold on to what he thought was yeah, himself. Yeah. And then he heads back to his own his own place and he has that sort of uh, 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 montage of memory. Um, and the yeah. thing that sp- that spikes it or starts it off is the picture that um, Allison took the day before, where you can see the bruise on his finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he looks yeah. at his own finger; the bruise is still there, but it's moved up his fingernail. It's, clearly, it's been a while. Yep. And I, what's interesting about that to me is you could, you know, as as I think you were saying, Wes, her she's the storyline with her is is the weaker point of the episode, mm-hmm. and you could argue the only reason that she's there is to whack him in the finger in the first five minutes of the show. Yeah. And they could have done, he could have been getting up in the morning and making I mean, himself coffee and or that, that automated door just slammed yeah. shut at some, you know, <laughs> they could have just been a little bit of an accident. Yeah. But. It's a, uh, I, I think it's, I think, I don't think she stands out as a pointless character the way that, um, the way that uh, the Queen character does in Checkmate, which we just we just recorded our Checkmate episode today, okay. and uh, I, I was talking about how I was really not thrilled with the the plot line of 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 the Queen being hypnotized into in, into falling in love with Number Six. Yeah, uh, that was kind of horrible. Yeah, and it, the the only reason it's there is so Six can get the little transistor out of her necklace, and then as soon as he does that, she disappears from the episode. And I think they do a much better uh, – I think the relationship with Allison is much better in this episode. But still, it's – she. They wrote her that it feels more important than it actually is. Yeah, and how exactly. She, she greets him at the end and all that stuff. Right. They have that bit at the end. Yeah. Right? But it's uh, – yeah, so he – I mean – sorry, Shane. Go ahead. I would say uh, you won't know this, uh, but uh, Checkmate was the first episode of Prison I ever saw. Oh, no kidding. It's a good one. Yeah, it's I it I it seems to be one that uh, at least visually gets referenced a lot. Like the 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 chess the human chess game 
gets referenced a lot and uh and uh it's got a lot of good stuff. I usually see stills from either that episode or free for all. Free for all cuz it has a lot of the uh you know the, the village folk. 6 for 2 things. Yeah, right, right, stuff, right. Yeah. Huh. So it, I mean at this point he's he's montaging. He's remembering yeah. all his uh Right, which is where we, we we really get to see what they did to him is, to change him over. <laughs> I don't like flapjacks. You only like oh, I do like flapjacks. Dog poo and bacon. <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't I, like dog poo. I bacon. only smoke white cigarettes. And then he uh, he has a callback to his malfunctioning lamp. Yeah. That now, what did, what did you guys think about that? Because my my problem, my overall, I I really enjoy this episode. I think it's a great story. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. But I think the wrap up is really uh, quick and could have been handled a bit better. How do you guys feel about uh, the way that he uh, shocks himself back into knowing who he is? Yeah, from the electrocution onwards. Um, it seemed to me like it was one of those. Okay, we we have a time constraint here. You know, we mm. can't. Uh, yeah, we can't really stretch this out over an entire you know three episode arc or whatever. So yeah. It's probably one of those things that was just made for convenience. I mean, it's like mm. we have we have to get this out. We have to, you know. Um, I didn't really uh, have too much of a problem with it. I mean, it it at least to me anyway, it mirrored the way that they were shocking him to use his left hand. Yeah. So you know, and he grabbed it with his right hand. It's like whoa, you know, this isn't how science no. works. But hey, here we go. I'm back to normal. I mean, Clay mentioned it. The the other trope that we you do is. If a person gets hit on the head and they forget who they are, if you hit them again, they will remember. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe the Avengers did a very, very similar episode. Uh, with <laughs> getting hit on the head or electrocuted? Uh, I think they were electrocuted. Uh, new personalities went into Steed and Emma. Yeah, this is probably peak um, electrotherapy. Yeah. Era, right? Yeah. yeah. So how, uh, how do you feel about, about that, that point, Shane? I mean, it's, it's a standard 1960s folk, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. For better, or for worse, probably yeah. for worse. The um, I just I love Magoon's acting in that scene when he gets electrocuted. <laughs> it's a, he charges forward, and it's also weird they didn't they didn't do a lot of uh, coverage to cover him getting electrocuted. They just they did him touching the lamp. Mm-hmm. They have a shot of him jumping up, and then the next shot is him laying on the ground getting like he they they skip the whole him falling to the ground. But he uh yeah he reboots his brain, which I have a real problem thematically. Uh. Because the, what the what the episode's arguing here is that he's an individual. What the show is arguing is that he's an individual, um, and you know that is his strength. And what the show has done through this episode is show that he's not really an individual because they can make you whatever you want to be, mm. um, which is like an interesting brain science thing, which is probably accurate, but it doesn't really work in terms of the narrative that the show is pushing. Mm. Um, so him sort of fixing himself is kind of a nail in the coffin for his own case, which mm. is a weird thing. So, so I'm going to uh, use an example of, uh, to elaborate on what you're saying. This may sound out of left field, but uh, so I don't know if you guys saw the remake of RoboCop. I saw much, it was do, I saw much do that. Actually, I've seen it on Netflix. Not uh, as bad as I thought it could have been. Is that okay. that's all great? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, all right. I, I don't want to, I, I don't. All right. So there's, there's a certain point. Uh, that is, I think I think I can talk about this without it without it ruining the movie for you, Shane. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I've seen the original many many times. So. Yeah, that's all. You, you're yeah. not going to lose anything. So there's okay. an instance there's an instance in the new in the new one where uh, 
they're pitting RoboCop up against fully robotic uh, policemen. Yep. And they find that RoboCop, he's fast, but his reaction time is still slower than the fully automated robots, right? Uh, because he's still using a bit of his human side to make decisions, so he hesitates. Yeah. Right. He has like a, he has a conscious conflict about the things that he's doing, where a computer can just make a decision instantly. Right. So what they do to fix that is they don't take away his humanity, but they have something – they put a switch in his brain so that when he goes into attack mode, he goes fully auto. So okay. the robot takes over. But he doesn't realize that's what's happening because he doesn't know that the switch is – he just thinks it's – Yeah, he thinks he's kicking ass. Right, yeah. which is a really fascinating idea. It is, and that comes late in that movie, which is yeah, a weird it's thing. Yeah, one of, it's one of the better ideas that they do in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about that in terms of this episode because there's something – I feel like there would be something kind of interesting if the way that Six um, – the way that Six breaks the plan is, is – doesn't involve uh, a hacky – shocking himself back to normal kind of thing but he j- he reclaims his mind yeah but he doesn't change anything back so you know what i mean so like he doesn't shock himself into being right-handed and smoking he still is left-handed and still smokes everything else but he in his brain he is still number six i say you know what i mean yeah which yeah. which would be kind of interesting because at that point it's like who really wins in that situation that's true. Does that, does that no, make that, sense? No, that's true. Is I mean, that, my, my should, I, do, should we all take a bong hit before we talk about <laughs> Listen, man, you can't change your mind. Um, Without changing your mind. I mean, the, the simpler fix would have just been, this is probably too technological for when the show came out in the 60s, but if you had, if he had a chip in his brain, oh, because yeah. that's like a physical thing that's stopping oh, yeah, you. Oh, you like short it yeah, out. Right, short it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, regardless, he shot himself. <laughs> And he's he's back to normal. He's number six again. Hmm. And then Curtis appears and oh, he goes to Curtis's he goes, house. Yeah. Well, first he he meets up with. Uh, well, we we didn't mention the part about the password. So when as as oh, right, yes. when Gemini. he's number when Gemini. he's number twelve, great password. Yeah. When he's still number twelve, uh, number two gives him the password. So number two knows who is who, and he says the password's Gemini. Yep. Yeah. So when he's wandering, after he shocks himself back to number six, he's wandering around outside, and he's confronted by a bunch of thugs. Inexplicably, really. I don't really know why the thugs get in his face. Um, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Gratuitous violence. Yeah, plot reasons. Uh, we need S-O-D. to fill plot. And uh, they ask him for the password, and he says Gemini, and they're like, oh, that's not the password. I, I, like, it's a weird interaction, and it just seems like one one of the things that I've noticed in the show watching it again this time is how every episode has seems to have number six beaten down on somebody, just wedged into it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure because Lou Grade or whoever was in charge was like, you know, I, I really enjoy all this weird, subtle mind stuff you're doing, but uh, you really need to have him kick an ass at some point. Otherwise, no one's going to watch the show. <laughs> Can we have him uh, punching somebody? Yeah, there's always need of him punching somebody. That's what sells. Yeah, we can't have sex, obviously. (laughs) So we're going to uh, we're going to have him punch people. Yeah, but yeah, he. uh, I I was confused by the password bit because I thought Gemini was the real password because that's what screws over Curtis. No. Yeah. Because it's because six gives it first. Yeah. Right. So Rover gets confused. When oh, he, he says Gemini first? No, when, he, says when he confronts Curtis, yeah. he gets the password from Curtis, which is Schizoid. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's like an inverse of one of those, uh, it's I'm not the clone, he's the clone kind of thing. Oh. Because yeah. he walks out 
and says to Rover, schizoid man. Oh, I guess I don't remember him saying it. Yeah, and okay. then Curtis comes out and says it as well, and Rover's like, wait, you're just saying that because he said it. Oh, right? that's yeah. so, I thought I thought number two was giving him the real password and give Curtis the fake one because number six is more important than Curtis. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. No, okay. No, because right. they needed a way to be able to talk to Curtis without confusing him in six. Right. Right. Um, yeah, there's a thing I just I just thought of. Um, do you remember how they were talking about it, it was way way earlier in the that uh, six had a mole on his like left or mm-hmm. like his left yeah, wrist, yeah, 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 yeah. and then he right. takes there's the a... fake the fake bit off of Curtis when he finally confronts him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot uh, of freckle in this yeah. episode. He's like, I have but, a freckle uh, on my nose. Yeah, but uh, could it be, could it be that like with that and the password is why uh, Rover eats the guy? Uh, I don't know. If or is he... that getting a little bit too meta? Yeah. I, I, anything that makes Rover not intelligent, I'm in favor of. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if, if, uh, if Rover really, uh, looked that closely at his wrist. <laughs> um, a lot of weird. And also, do you, did you guys ever see, uh, hot shots part deux? No. Yeah. See, uh, well, there's, there's a, there's a stupid joke they do in that movie where Charlie Sheen's character you know, is in love with this woman and they're sending Charlie Sheen who, and this woman has a, uh, a, a mole on her lip and they're sending Charlie Sheen into the, uh, back into war. And for good luck, she reaches up and takes her mole off and puts it on his face. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's all I can think of every time I see that scene. <laughs> He's so sweaty. Or, or the, uh, Robin Hood men in tights where Prince John has the mole that keeps moving. Yeah. Moving uh, around his face. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, there's a deleted line actually in the episode where number two picks up the phone and has Rover's phone been analyzed yet? Huh? Who who's he talking to? And uh, doesn't doesn't say. It just says he, number two picks up the phone. Oh, number two. I'm sorry. I thought number yeah, number two makes more sense. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Now now, how did you guys feel about the way that they use Rover? Um, in this because I he we 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 talk a little bit. Depending on episode to episode, how they portray him, um, him, who knows what it is. Uh, it, her, it. Now, do, yes. like Rover. in this episode, it feels like they they show that they have less control over him than you'd think. Yeah, because he, when Curtis gives the password after six, uh, Rover eats him and kills him. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be bad business. Yeah. Whereas any other time in the show, it's always been some sort of, you know, uh, sedation thing or, you know, yeah. whatever. But Yeah, bring the, him back to shore and, or something. Right. And when, or just when, bounce on him lightly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this time when, when, uh, when Six tells Number Two that Rover killed him, Number Two is very alarmed. <laughs> like, oh, crap. Yeah, it, it's it, it kind of like you know out on the we're Americans so out on the shooting range with your buddy and you hand him the gun you know like, yeah it's unloaded and then just boom and that's that's, that's yeah the end of it's it. like there's yeah we do that all the time as Americans <laughs> <laughs> every American goes to the gun range all the time we're on the gun range right now yeah we're doing this yeah. <laughs> you guys are on the gun range too because I am right now oh, the, the sound quality is amazing <laughs> these noise canceling uh, noise canceling yeah. mics. Uh, but yeah, I, I always thought it was interesting because it, it kind of gives a. I mean, have you have to kill you? You really have to kill Curtis because you can't have this guy who looks like Number Six just walking around. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, after the episode. Um, but I always thought it was an interesting bit of character development, really, for Rover that they seem to not. I don't know if he's a completely sentient being 
Or her. It could right. be her. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I said Rover's probably about as intelligent as a dog is. Yeah. Fairly intelligent then. Because yeah. I think of it as a automated security system. That's the thing. I don't know if it's if it's a completely automated thing or if it has some level of intelligence. intelligence or, yeah. You know, and it's just kind of they they let it out mm-hmm. and it does what it wants. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's inter- yeah, excuse me. It's interesting. Yeah, so Curtis gets eaten. Yeah. Well actually, before we get to that point. Oh sure. So spoiler. <laughs> how did you guys feel about um what I what I was talking about before, my my big problem with the episode comes in, in this part. And it's when Six kind of makes his makes his way to Curtis's place and starts acting as though he's his mind has been broken yeah. and he's having these dreams about resigning, which is true because as we yeah. see in A, B, and C, apparently all he dreams about is the moment he resigns. He's haunted. Yeah. Um, and then he... That's like, the moment his life changed. Yeah. <laughs> and Curtis, with his nerve gas gun... Um, says, well, why did you resign? And I, at that point, I'm like, ah, if, if this is the whole reason that you try, like, I don't know, it seemed really... Seems like a lot of work. Yeah, it seems like a, a lot of work to get to that point. One squirt, you're paralyzed. Two squirts, <laughs> you're dead. dead. Three you guys, squirts, it brings you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a reboot. Well, yeah, do you, do you guys think uh, the same? I'm kind of in the same boat about that. It's like... um I was laughing about it more with the earlier episodes that we watched, but like after all these complex convoluted plans, it would always break down to someone asking him why he resigned. And that would be his clue into this is all a setup. Yeah. And it seemed a little bit forced. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, is how long has Curtis been laying on that bed? Yeah. <laughs> Does oh. he just always sleep with a nerve gas gun? Yeah. <laughs> three, three or four. And hours. also that's, I mean, that's another strange thing too, is how do you squirt gas? Yeah. <laughs> It's like a nerve uh, fire extinguisher. <laughs> what if he just shot it and just a little bit squirted out on his leg as he's laying there? It's just, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. I, that's, that's sort of a strange thing, too, because is that, as far as I know, uh, at least up to this point, it's the only time a weapon has shown up in the village. Yeah, yeah um, probably, yeah. Well, apart from those when they're fencing. Oh, oh well, yeah, that's true. Ben, that's, you know, uh, the guy the, had a gun and chimes a big bend. He shoots rubber. No, I, I mean like literally in the village. Oh, because he shoots Rover after they've quote unquote yeah, they, escaped. they've escaped. Yeah, you know you would think that uh, everybody would have. I don't know. Like, why does the number two have a nerve gas gun? Yeah, you uh, think it, all it the seems, guards would have it. It seems like a strange thing for him just to have. Hmm. Reasons, mm. obviously. <laughs> Poor Curtis. Can I now spoil the fact that Curtis dies? Sure. Yes. Curtis <laughs> dies. Go take it. Please take it. Wait, what? <laughs> Curtis is smashed against the wall by a light uh, bouncing balloon. Rover <laughs> takes him out of there. He screams, and uh, number six goes to confront number two at that point, right? After he steals I, his mole. I would like yeah. to point out that, at least for me and Shane, this is the first time we've seen Rover in probably, what, three or four episodes? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, oh, well, hooray, Rover's the- back. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's the uh, the first and only time he's referred to yeah. as Rover. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, we didn't get referred to as Rover again. Hmm. We'll see him again. I don't think that's much of a spoiler. Yeah, uh, right. Shows ruined him out. Podcast. <laughs> so six heads off to number two at this point. Yeah, yeah, and then he uh, confronts him about, or he pretends to be Curtis. Yeah, and he convinces number two that uh, number six is dead. Yeah, and he, right. and he just he just needs to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, and uh, they give they fly him out and. Probably my favorite scene in the episode is when we, two is driving 
six out. Sorry. I was going to say that he, he goes to see Allison first. Oh, that's right. They have they have that scene with Allison where he oh that's right yes he sir. drops in and um he's still playing Curtis yeah yeah uh, and I think I think at that point they, their interaction is um he is kind of getting out of her what her involvement like how conscious her involvement right, was yeah. and she at the end kind of figures out that this is actually number six he like he yeah. he preemptively lights her cigarette. Yeah. He, he like, oh, right. So yeah. there's that mental connection. Right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then he, uh, yeah, so he, he meets up with her, says his pseudo goodbye. Oh, yeah. actually. So one thing to talk about, you guys already watched The General, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, do you think that, uh, how do you feel about that given the, the, the sequence when they're driving up to the helicopter and uh, number two references The General and number six says, well, we won't know that until we report to The General. And number two is like, what? What do you what do you mean report to the general? Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that he's referencing a different general or because I've, I've that's, that's, that's how I've always taken it, to be honest with you, because yeah. uh, the general that we see in the general is much more of a learning device. Right. You know, so why would that converse, why would that come up in general conversation? But two, six doesn't know what the general is at this point. Well, that's, right. tr- that's true. But. There's and also, more, there's going to be there's always more than there's not just the one general in the world, is there? There's going to be, that's true. you know. But uh, I guess I guess the thing that always. But he calls him a him. I think is the more giveaway. You yeah. Know, he calls he calls the general a, pro, a male pronoun instead of saying the computer general. Number yeah. two does. No, six does. That's six, what yes. sort of gives oh, it away. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I always, and then he refers to his dead wife, but I mean, outside I of just kind of, I just kind of took it as six was trying to play off of what number two is saying because yeah. he doesn't know oh, anything about. He is, but the order we watched it in, I watched this before the general, yes, right? The, so yeah, I, 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 I was not clear what the general was, but on rewatch, since I've seen it, it's like, oh, he's also screwing up what the general is, yeah. and that's like another thing to, that gives number two information mm. because it's after he mentions the general that number two starts asking him more questions right. about what's going on and i yeah. i guess the uh um, in, in, sorry to interrupt in production, oh, no, no in production order it was this was made number one seventh this was made seventh yeah schizoid yeah and the general was made 11th okay mm. so that, okay so that's yeah that's the way i would have seen it which which is not a bad thing it's just more information yeah. if you've seen the general before and this I, one. I guess for me the reason it stands out is um, within the world of the show, you've never seen, except for the in Chimes of Big Ben, when uh, I believe that the person that that number six talks to back in quote unquote back in England is the Colonel, right? Yeah, I believe I so. Think, yeah. I think they call him the Colonel. Um, At least, definitely not the General. Yeah, definitely not the General. Um, but. Inside the world of the show, that's the only other time anyone's ever been mentioned or anyone has been referenced in a military fashion or by, by rank. Okay. Um, so I guess that always seemed to Qu- stay. Queen Rook. Yeah, Colonel J. But yeah, that's why it always stood out to me because it's, it's applying if, – if, if they're not referencing the computer general, it's, they're making – they're acknowledging a military aspect to – whatever it is the village is doing that they they've never made reference to before. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and I personally, I, I like it better when the village is more of a, uh, much more of an unknown quantity. So something like that, that would theoretically ground if, if you're taking it as a, a, an authority figure over 
something in the village or it, it, it grounds it in a way that I, I don't find particularly appealing. Yeah. I mean, going, giving a bit of background information on the trip, um, the sequence of number six being taken to the helicopter, uh, so Patrick McGowan's shots being filmed on location, while number two shots were performed in the studio with a moving backdrop. That's really strange. I didn't notice it, so they must have done a good job with the uh, yeah. green screen. Huh, well, just that's, limited day shooting. That's kinda, that seems like a oh, little convoluted. I mean, but could they have just been because like they screwed up the shot and they didn't have time to retake it? or? But that seems like awfully convoluted just to get you know that one shot of number two. It's, I mean, it's either you're dependent on weather, you're dependent yeah. on audio and everything. They, they might have just lost all the audio and re- had to reshoot it. And also, it it's, it's, it's actually it's, uh, kind of goes back to a point that you talked about in our coverage of Arrival West, where uh, you pointed out how sometimes they would shoot two shots that were clearly on location, yep. and then they would go in for a close-up, and it was clearly a backdrop yeah. in the same scene. Yes. and All uh, the time they would do that. Yeah, and it's, I don't, I, I mean, I can only assume it's a technical thing. I, don't, I have no and idea why they would do that. Just, I know the bit that you're referring to in Arrival and the story behind that, which I'll get to in a future episode. <laughs> oh. Didn't you guys cover Arrival? <laughs> we, we did, but there's a story behind the Pacific scene I know you're talking about. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. Huh. See, as I say at the end of our episodes all the time, I am not an authority on any of this, so <laughs> we'll just have to run our trivia by you every week. Oh, petty. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love that scene. Uh, just I like the sort of you're aware that Six is screwing this up, um, even as he's trying desperately to get away. And number two is wrenching it a little bit tighter. Yeah. You know, he gets to the helicopter. I appreciate the fact that they flew him in the helicopter for ten seconds and then landed immediately. Like uh, it's kind of like in in the James Bond movie Casino Royale. Yeah. When he leaves the, the the poker party with the woman. Yeah. And they get in the car and they tear out of there, but they just go around the roundabout and pull up back at the hotel again. <laughs> well, I mean, the only reason he's wearing a blindfold is just for the viewer. You know, so you don't. Why doesn't he oh, just yeah. tear his blindfold off and be like, "I'm getting the hell out of here"? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I don't know why he does. Oh, that's right, they did that in the first episode. I was going to say I don't know why that he doesn't knock out the pilot because he clearly knows how to fly. Yeah, he, he knows how to fly that thing. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the way that plays out because uh, it it kind of continues the um, taking the standard sci-fi trope of the clone or doppelganger thing mm-hmm. and twisting it a bit because. Number six has the right information about Curtis. He knows that he has a wife. He just yeah. doesn't have all the right information. Yeah, right. No. And that's what gets him. Yeah, yeah. It's not because two asks him a question he doesn't know the answer to. Right. He just yeah. he confuses himself. He gets the facts wrong. Right. Sort of, right. It's interesting. And then uh, comes yeah he comes back down and number two is there and he says you know Susan who we've been talking about uh, for the past half hour is uh, dead. Yeah, yeah. died a year He's, ago. Yeah, died a year ago, so you won't be saying hello to her for me. And so is Curtis. And then, yeah, then it's flying. His Curtis is gone. Maybe they uh, they met up inside Rover. Maybe that's what happened to poor Susan. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Too soon. And that's Too our episode. Soon. The one thing I <laughs> forgot to mention was oh, that the uh, the dub, the number six, number twelve together, where it got a bit too jarring for me. Oh, right, right, yes. Uh, as I just after they had the fight and Rover comes up outside the recreation hall. Mm-hmm. And you, you can see um, number well, you can see Curtis, and you can see number six have, has got his back to Rover, and it seems oh, to be, that, right. you know that seems to be a bit jarring because you can see um, Frank Mayhead, the double, 
not you know not wanting to turn around. Oh. Nice. They do yeah. that in the fight scene too. When he when yeah. he runs out, he's very careful to hide his face from yeah. the, the well, camera. And and also you can you can kind of see you can see his face through the uh, fencing mask. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which uh, I think is one of those things you can chalk up to um, uh, the television limitations of the time because yeah. I'm sure you wouldn't be able to see that in 1967. But watching it on a 55 inch yeah, HD it's, television, it's yeah, easy. definitely, definitely, like. The thing that shocked my world when I got the Blu-ray set and realized that Six's jacket was brown. <laughs> it certainly looks like it's a very dark brown. Yeah. What? Yeah. My world has been shattered. Well, you know, I was actually I was watching it last night when we were when I was watching Checkmate, and I was trying to figure out whether it was actually brown or if it was just the light, the way the light was. Could be. Yeah, you know, depending I, on the the heat. I would the, describe the color, it as black. The color temperature on the light they're using yeah, or right. something. Yeah. Well I mean in the uh <clears throat> The Simpsons he's black. He's wearing black. That's true. It's a yeah. black color. Who knows? Yeah. I, I mean it for me it will always be black, but it's a uh put it all in black. I always like to give um foreign uh titles. Oh uh, okay. In, uh, in France it was called the double personality. Alright. In Japan it was called the password. In a little, a little bit more boring. Why do they bother renaming them in different languages? Um, occasionally it's because spelling or pronunciation will make a, uh, a word sound like a swear word or something inappropriate. But they'd call them the, the language, right? The native language. They, they wouldn't be pronouncing them in English for their, I'm just confused as to why they would change the, I've, I've always assumed it's just a, uh, there's no good translation. Yeah. Phraseology translation issue. Yeah. Uh, like there are some really funny ones. If you, if you look up, uh, I think is it a website that does movie posters for Polish for mo- Polish movie posters for yeah. Hollywood movies. The translations are always completely Just ridiculous. A little bit off, yeah. 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 Uh, I've mentioned this in the previous episode, but I'll go back to it. For the general, it was actually uh, called um, to avoid any uh, potential references to French president and military leader General Charles de Gaulle. <laughs> the general was actually renamed the brain. Okay. Yeah. I mean that that makes. I mean it doesn't not make sense. I guess, but yeah, it's not great. Yeah. And the question to use uh, to destroy the ge- uh, to, destroy, to destroy the general was actually what, not why. Yeah, that works it, too, I guess. Because the it's French, just as abstract. Yeah, because the yeah. word for why is um, you know too long. Really? In in, fr- in French. Yeah. Well, they, huh. they throw in an, uh, a useless X in there, and then they put an umlaut over it. You know, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pourquoi, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. so, so it wouldn't fit with the pictures. Wouldn't fit on the paper. <laughs> like, oh, scrap it. This is garbage. They, they, yeah. could, only, they could only put in gigantic letters. <laughs> yeah. The Spanish just K. Okay. That, uh, um, yeah, they could have used how. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know. Uh, that is fascinating. Or, that they or changed. huh? Yeah. <laughs> WTF. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but any, anybody else got anything else to say on this before we move on to our level it? Uh, no. Are we giving a review, uh, like a feed? What's the next section after this? Yeah. Should, should I tell what I feel about the episode? We'll do that in a second. Yeah, we'll, we do we'll that. Play, we'll play this advert, and then we'll we'll be right back. That's cool. cool. Hang on, no ad here. It's Fun Drive. Hello, everyone. Yeah, this is this is me, Shane, again. 
I know you've already heard me for over an hour on this uh, podcast already, but this is me recording uh, three or four days later than the rest of the show. I'm in, here to introduce um, a campaign for actually one of my favorite radio stations, uh, CHSR FM 97.3 in Canada. 97.9. Bugger, uh, is it 97.9? Yes, it is. Damn it. Keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 97.9 FM in Fredericton, New Brunswick, which sounds like, wait, if I'm not in Fredericton, New Brunswick, why should I care? Well, how about the fact that you can find them on the web at chsrfm.ca and lots of their, lots of their shows actually podcast. Indeed, they certainly do. As you can hear, I'm joined by the wonderful Nutty who, who's been on, hello. Hello. Yes, they are a wonderful, wonderful radio station. Yeah. I say I, I I say that as an Englishman. <laughs> okay. Does that does that change it? No, no, it doesn't. But if I can, if I find it, um, if I can listen to it over here in England, that's true. Then it must be it must be really really good. Is my point? I agree. It is really good. Now I have been on several shows on CHSR, uh, including the Weird Show, which is done by Mark the Encaffeinated One. I've done Epic, where I have become a regular. That even though I moved away from the area, they still keep me on the show. I am the only person they ever record with remotely. Um, I was a regular on Run for Your Life for about two and a half years, which is an awesome psychobilly show, which I just absolutely love. I was a regular on Fredericton this week, which was a current events and um, community events, rather, uh, episode that would come out every week telling you everything that was going on in the area, in which I would be given a script five minutes before the show, and I would be reading it live. That was a challenge. I often did the Lunchbox, which was their noontime show which focused on culture arts and community events um and i showed up wherever i could i also am still the webmaster of their website uh keeping things in order i tried to push people into podcasting got a lot of the shows podcasting um i'm not the sole credit for that but i was a big podcasting cheerleader over there i worked on the executive i was on the board i did everything i could this radio station is awesome because they're not funded by advertising they are not playing top 40 hits so that they can sell cans of diet coke or the latest con you know car or whatever what they are is they're a campus and community station which is a special kind of non-profit station so they play everything that's niche everything that you're not going to hear on other radio stations they don't play top 40 they play you know you one minute you could be listening and they've got a talk show on that's talking about geeky topics or wrestling or comic books or psychology or politics and the next you're listening to east coast music psychobilly music blues music jazz um we've got this show called diversions that has been going on for over 20 years every sunday it's amazing and it has one of the most beautiful voices on it uh as the host and we also have another show called strictly hip-hop that's been going on for over 20 years and it's a dj he comes in and he spins live on air uh, another radio show is Ashes, Paper, and Beans, which is all poetry. That's right, an all poetry show. Uh, so there's so many things that are going on over there, and the only way that they can do it is if they get some help and some support. Indeedy. And because it's a um, fun drive on an Indiegogo, you can get some great perks. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes. 
going from the $5, which is the casual fan, all the way up to $1,000, which is at the moment the hockey fan. Ah, yes. Uh, one thing that they're doing is they broadcast all of the hockey games for the for the uh, local colleges, and they are the only ones that broadcast the AIS championship that happens every year. Uh, no one else is able to do it, and they bust their butts in order to do it, and it's very difficult. It it takes basically it's all it's all volunteers. Like nobody's getting paid to do this. Uh, quite often, some of the volunteers are paying out of pocket so that they can travel in order to do this. Um, and it's all done with support by, again, uh, donations. And, of course, my personal favorite is the $30 show challenger um, slot. Yes, which I think you've chosen, right? Which I have, yes, indeed, yes. <laughs> yes, Shane is going to make me watch the Power Rangers. Thanks a lot. <laughs> the, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I'm, the... quite, I'm quite specific on that. Okay, is there a difference? <laughs> Um, yes, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the first three seasons. Oh, okay. I didn't know that there were other brands. That's how <laughs> uninitiated I am. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I'm going to have to watch the Power Rangers. Last year, um, one of the listeners had us do a show on My Little Pony. And we, I think we ended up doing three episodes about it because of all the research we did. <laughs> But it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to challenge people. Uh, one of the hosts, the host of Fredericton this week, has threatened on his Facebook page, I think it's $5 or $10 to request songs on his show. And he says if nobody does it, he's going to play nothing but pony music. <laughs> so that's his way of getting uh, some some donations there. The, the thing that's kind of neat about um, – see, every – Every year, uh, CHSR does what they call a fund drive, which is how they try to generate donations. And in years past, I mean, some years they had no problems with it, but in more recent history, it's been more and more difficult. They try not to saturate people with asking for money all the time because then it just falls on deaf ears. Um, and they like to concentrate all their for their focus on this once a year. Um, Last year was the first year that they did an Indiegogo campaign. And the reason that they did this is they, well, they were desperate. Um, they underwent some serious flooding in the winter, uh, basically because of the polar vortex. Uh, some of the snow melted, came inside the studios, and three of the four studios were put out of commission. And it was it was horrible. And we needed to raise money fast in order to pay to repair it. And um, that went really well. That was a really good campaign. And this year, you know, it was it was great because people could say, oh, well, obviously you need this money. Uh, whereas this year people are saying, well, you got that money last year. What do you need money for this year? You don't need to rebuild the studios again. Well, what they do need the money for is they need the money to continue uh, because there's only so far you can go. As it is, they have a shoestring budget and uh, part of the the money that funds the station comes from student levies. Uh, and with enrollment down, that means the levies are down. Uh, staff have had to pay, take pay cuts. As it is, uh, we've got, at CHSR, they have like some of the best equipment in town. Some, their, their boards uh, and, and their wiring and the way that the studios are set up are done better than any of the commercial stations. They just have uh, some serious problems, like when it comes to computers. Their computers are over 10 years old. And I can't tell you exactly how old they are because they bought them all as used and refurbished at clearance sales. 
they need new computers. They need new microphones. They need more headphones. They need everything that goes into running a station. And I can tell you right now that every time I record with the Epic crew, we have to double check, clear out files on the computer. Every now and then there are issues. And it's very frustrating that we've got this amazing equipment and everything is failing at the computer. So please, if you can, help out some awesome people making great shows, making great podcasts, and check them out. See see if you like them. If you like them, make us do some crazy stuff. Um, you can get some of the other perks, or you can get t-shirts. Uh, they've got this other perk, this big push. What they do is uh, CHSR brings bands in, and they record sessions. And we weren't able to do that for almost a year because of the damage to the studios. Well, the studios are up and running and they've started sessions again. So a lot of the perks are focused around getting exclusive tracks from these sessions. So you will be getting high quality downloads of various bands. And as more and more people donate, you're going to get more and more tracks. So you end up getting this great music that's recorded right there at CHSR. I think that's an awesome perk. Definitely. I mean, CSR, I mean, personally, I've been listening to CHSR for over two years now. And I have downloaded, I don't know how many hours of down, um, podcasts I've downloaded over the years, but it must be in the hundreds by now. They are a really, really great radio station. Um, please go to chsrfm.ca. Yep. And, and you can find all the, you can find the Indiegogo link, links on my main page. Or you can also go to igme, uh, sorry, igme at chsr 2015, which is basically igg.me slash at slash chsr 2015. Or just go to Indiegogo and type in chsr. You're only going to find them. Exactly. <laughs> there, there you go. That's three ways of finding the page. Yep. <laughs> and yes. And. And if we you all... want to show some prisoner love, when you donate, leave it in the comments. Tell them that the Prisoner Podcast sent you there. Indeed. 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 I love the new t-shirts, by the way. Oh, I know. I can't wait to get mine. Yes. I need, uh, yes. Damn, I need to, I need to I'm just going to get over the calendar myself <laughs> <laughs> and get the t-shirt. Yes. Uh, anyway, anyway, after all this, we will return you to a regularly scheduled podcast. And welcome back. Hopefully you, uh, hopefully you check out that podcast. It's, it is one of my favorites. Um, but we'll get into the feedback now. First of all, we've got an email from Harold. I believe, John, you've got that? Yep. And Harold writes, I like this episode a lot. I thought it was pretty funny when Six woke up with a mustache and dark hair. I kind of wish that they had not shown Six's transformation, so it would have been a little bit more, more uncertain who was the real Six. Uh, it's interesting that Six has gone from insisting that he is not a number to insisting that he is number six. And that how Allison called, uh, and how Allison is called by her first name and not number 24. Since the general was mentioned and Six is not familiar with it, I had to quibble, I have to quibble with your decision to place this episode in this slot. Uh, I don't see why this could not have been seen before the general. That's all Harold has. Really good. Couple of points, yeah. I agree with Harold a little bit there. I don't think you can do this show with uh, any mystery about which one is really number six. <laughs> Just because of the way you're shooting it, someone has to take control of the perspective. Mm. We've also got an email from Nutty, and she writes, Okay, this is a different episode. It's a clever ruse, but I wonder if it didn't if it didn't go exactly to plan. Did they know the whole time six was six, or was he almost out? 
or was he almost out there? I don't know. I can't help think that they, they knew. They might not have driven him mad, but it might have worked that he had not bruised under his fingernail. My only problem with this is he was fighting, so it's hard to know as number six that he was number six. But he's not number six. He is a free man. Still, I'll give this 9 out of 10 quack psychic tests. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I think I, I think he they didn't know up until he screws up at the end. I think he actually was closer to getting out than he's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the uh, his screwing up of the details regarding Curtis's wife and and that is what sets what makes it click with number two. I think if he hadn't done that, he probably would have got out. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree. Because he was almost out, damn it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and we've also got uh, a voicemail from uh, our absent co-host, Aaron, who I'll play now. And once again, I'm off fixing Rover. What can I say? Clearly, he requires a lot of maintenance. More than one would think, I would guess. So, my review for Schizoid Man... Um, well, I gotta say, I, I don't know how, how, to, how to really rate this one, because on the one hand, it, it, it's brilliant, and it almost worked, and it almost pulled it off, but then if it had worked, we'd have a really short podcast, and this series wouldn't have gone very long, nor would this podcast, and uh, I'd, I'd have nothing to do. But on the other hand, I, I, I got confused a lot. I was, I kind of didn't didn't follow it maybe because I wasn't paying much attention. I, it happens, right? Everybody has their moments. So um, I think it's a really, it's a really interesting. Let's try and throw psychology and make him think that oh, uh, he's not really the number six and that he's really actually you know number twelve and number twelve is actually number six. And so and go round and round and round and around and around we go. Um, I think. Uh, it, it worked pretty well. I, I do have to say, though, I, I don't know if, if they'd really be able to do all of the stuff they did to change his brain chemistry that quick, that 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 fast, or, you know, that quickly, or that... Pardon, I had to shut the door real quick. Um, that quickly, that, that fast at night. And I don't I don't know if, if that would necessarily work, you know, instantaneously like that. But maybe they've been working on him for a couple of couple of nights, couple of couple of months, and not disturbing him. Which which somehow I don't understand, because if it's in his file that he's a light sleeper, how in the world do they constantly be able to do? Are they able to do all these things to him at night and not disturb him? I mean, number 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 twelve, Curtis, when he was being number six, you know, said it's in my file. Assuming he's talking about the file that is number six's file, then why why are they always able to be you know somehow get away with disturbing him, doing these all these secrets and everything? It it, it makes almost no sense to me at all how he could possibly they could possibly do all this. So I guess there therein lies this has been a constant issue for me throughout the. Out the series so far is that they're able to just instantly disturb him. And yeah, I know there was an episode where we had him, uh, you know, be be drugged and everything. But they can't constantly get away with this, can they? Well, I guess they're the village; they could probably get away with anything. Um, but it, it, it was a decent episode. I, I I don't know if I would I would call it a favorite, but it's definitely not my least hated episode. It definitely shows 
how number six is willing to use anything to his advantage to, you know, get off the island at this point, and that you know, he, while he he's he's pretty smart and everything, maybe not as smart as the those who run it or those who run it have the constant surveillance. So I don't know if you know we. He, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder: is, is he ever going to actually escape the village? Is is he going to be able to do it? Because you know, it's pretty ingenious that he hasn't been able to do it already with a constant getting caught or constantly being half a step behind. But I'm amazed that uh, he didn't catch it quicker, you know, because we just, we just recently saw him be able to instantly realize, oh, I'm, there's something wrong. But I guess maybe they got better at covering their tracks at this point between being schizoid man and the dream sequence in the last episode. So maybe, maybe, maybe they do learn from their, their mistakes, uh, given the order we're watching this. Um, as for a rating of this episode, mm, I'd have to say I, I'd probably give it six and a half, maybe maybe seven uh, moles that should easily be on you know the right hand, on the right wrist, that rather than not there at all. Um, okay, he's supposed to be on the left wrist, but I think I think you all get what I was saying there. Um, so hopefully by after this week, uh, I'll have fixed Rover and there won't be any issues and I'll actually be able to record in person with my other co-hosts. All right, everyone. Bye. Thank you very much. Thank you that very much a, for that. That wasn't a voicemail. That was a podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't hear all of it, but uh, I, the one of the things I picked up is ask him asking how uh, pointing out how they keep doing things to six when he's sleeping if he's such a light sleeper yeah i think i can only i can only assume that's because they drug him so heavily that uh that's the only way they can do it when he's asleep it's in the water right what was that it's, it's in everything. It's in, everything it's in the water it's in the lights uh this show has a, a a distinct lack of crazy purple knockout gas yeah, yeah. um i think the batman tv show probably had the uh entire budget for <laughs> they, they bought they bought out all supplies huh. yeah and also, we have another uh, uh, voicemail from our good buddy, Sergeant Drano. Uh, t- almost six minutes of the voicemail, so we'll play that now. Jeez. Incoming transmission from Station 7, The Door. Greetings, this is Sergeant Drano calling in from Station 7 with feedback for Schizoid Man. Great episode. In the opening sequence, number two's voice is some sort of generic voice, not the voice of number two in this episode. I can't remember if this is the first time we've heard that. I wonder why that was done for some episodes. The pulsator amuses me. That'd be number six's flashing lamp that makes it sleep deeper, because if there's anything that makes me sleep more deeply, it's a flashing lamp in my face. Nice little hint early on of the process number six is subjected to to make him think he's number twelve. For some reason, I always, I'm always amused by the exchange that occurs between number six and number two when number two is telling him why he was picked for this assignment. You bring two great gifts to bear. Firstly, your ability as an agent. Oh, yes. Secondly, you have a unique physical advantage. Physical advantage of growing a mustache overnight? <laughs> yeah. It's during this exchange that Susan is first mentioned as being number 12's wife. This is interesting to me, since we later learned that number 12 really did have a wife named Susan. It seems odd to me that they would use information from the real number 12's life for number 6's fake number 12 identity. This would seem to imply that other information number 6 has given about number 12 could also be true. For example, we hear he's called Flapjack Charlie. So is Charles really number 12's first name, or not? 
It's also interesting that number 12 seems to be a real person who just happens to look very much like number 6. It doesn't seem like he's a clone, nor does it seem like he's related to number 6. Is it just a fluke that they look alike? Was number 12 surgically altered to look like number 6, or what? Amusing little gag that 12 is literally the double of 6. So it sounds like number 6 was both on an Olympic boxing team and an Olympic fencing team. Was this a thing back in the 60s to recruit Olympic athletes as spies? This seems an oddly high-profile place to get your secret agents from to me. Or is it the other way around, where spies planted on Olympic teams as a means of infiltrating other countries? Number 6 notices and fingerprints by heart. What? Who the hell knows their own fingerprints by heart? Why would you ever know that? Some great acting by McGowan when number six calls Allison into the Green Dome to prove his identity and instead she somehow reads the mind of the fake. This really throws number six. You can tell he's finally truly shocked and off balance. Of course, I don't really get why Allison is able to read the mind of the fake. I don't really know how they pulled that off. Uh, watching number six crack in his sleep, swiping an invisible fairies flying around him, that cracked me up too. Interesting that number two and the fake are watching this on the screen, and number two refers to the fake as number 12. So, not only is number six told real information about Curtis, but also Curtis really is number 12. Hmm. A John Baylor noticed that number six's calendar still reads February 10th, even though it's supposed to be the next day. I think that's because the calendar must be changed manually, and number six just hasn't bothered to do it yet. He's got other things on his mind, like who he is. I love the breakfast montage. I swear, some of those foods, I could not identify them. I also like the clever use of aversion therapy to condition him into being left-handed. Aversion therapy is very popular on this show. I didn't, I didn't really get why number six was tearing the cigarettes and the cigar in half, and what that little green strand was in the cigar. Was that a test of dexterity, or was it showing that they planted a cigar with something that made him cough? Lesson learned in this episode. If you have a lamp that's intermittently flashing on and off, it's probably electrified. When number six confronts the fake that evening, the fake is still claiming to be number six, but he also has a nerve gas gun? Doesn't this kind of blow his credibility? Why would number six have a nerve gas gun? Hilarious after number six beats up Curtis the way he rips his mole off and sticks it back on his own arm. Give me back my mole. Looks like Rover is humping Curtis to death. Speaking of Rover, I think this is the one and only episode we hear it referred to as Rover, first by number six, then by number two. So Rover can be deactivated. Does this offer any hints about its nature? And apparently it can also kill. And I don't think it left a body behind either. Number two tells number six that they want him to talk to Allison again. Not number one, they. Who is they? On the ride to the helicopter, we get a mention of the general. Number two says, the general's not going to behead you. And when number six talks about reporting to the general, number two thinks that's a very odd thing to say. Uh, I kind of wonder if this might be a reference to the computer of the general. I kind of like to think that it is. And for that reason, I'd place uh, this episode before the episode called the general, where we find out what the general is, and the general gets destroyed. Uh, this conversation this is also the first time that number two tests number six with a mention of Susan. He says, Susan was saying a month ago, but apparently number two still isn't sure when number six doesn't react to this and tests him again at the helicopter when he says, give my regards to Susan. The first time I saw this episode, I was genuinely surprised at the reveal that number six was right back where he started. Susan died a year ago, number six. Nice. I thought that this was a fantastic episode, nearly perfect. 
I'd be tempted to give it a 10, except that it wasn't quite my favorite. I'd give it a solid 9 out of 10. Unique physical advantages of growing a mustache of a knight! Transmission terminated. <laughs> that was a podcast. <laughs> yes, it was. So he actually... He that was actually a, sorry, that was very... That was a very English radio program. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, it was, it's like the goon show. It's like a War of the Worlds, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he uh, he actually brings up something. I, I was wondering if you had any insight onto this, Shane. Um, yeah. the, the, the difference in uh, opening titles, how sometimes they have number two, the, the number two for the week do it, or sometimes they have a generic one. Um, do you have any insight into, into the background behind that choice? But I don't have it to quickly have it to hand to be totally honest with you. Okay, no problem. That's fine. Do we uh, do we give our feedback now? Uh, no, I've got one more oh, uh, post. I've gone from the emails to the Facebook group, and uh, John E. Bella writes, and it's quite a long one, so bear with me. Uh, the Schizoid Man is one of my favorite prisoner episodes. I'm looking forward to hearing this podcast. We get some terrific location shots and some great insert into the series. What good 60s series didn't have a double of the hero? The Wild Wild West did it. Star Trek either did it or was about to do it. And because of number six's comments about the general near the end, we can place this one before the general in A, B and C in the series timeline. Number six is either has a friend or a hobby at the, uh, at the start of the Schizoid Man. I really like the British conditions in number six. It is so thorough that number six starts to extend his left hand to shake his hand with number two. It appears that they put something that smelled offensive in the foods except for the flapjacks. There's even something in his cigars and cigarettes to irritate him if he tried to smoke them. If it's February the 10th, the the night number six conditioning begins, shouldn't the next day be the 11th? At any rate, the whole village seemed to be be in on the day change. At this point in, in the series, number two doesn't want to risk damaging six permanently. There is some firm banter between number six and the double. I like the challenges between them. And we'll see the fencing come up again. Not a spoiler. Uh, did anyone notice that while number two and the supervisor were searching for number six, Rover was already following them, but Control didn't know? Although there was some apparent disconnect, Control is able to deactivate Rover. Is the same, the cab driver the same one as from Arrival? Notice the Allison get a redemption scene. Number six is so close to escape, but it makes some wrong assumptions. It seems only, it seems like the only reason they let him take off from the helicopter was to remind him that there was a near escape at the end of Arrival. I will give this five doppelgangers out of five. <laughs> Thanks very much for that. And well, how, do we, how do we know which one of those ratings is the real rating? Yeah, that's true. It's a clone raid. Either one. What if? What if it's a yeah ten? What if it's a, he was at a ten? It's a double game. Obviously, what we need to do is we need to shoot both of them in the legs and then start questioning about our leisure about things that only they would know. Yeah, like uh, how long has their wife been on this planet? <laughs> and of course, you can always email us at the prisoner introcast at gmail dot com. You can find us on Twitter at prisoner intro and you can also find us on facebook just search for the prisoner intro cast and there's also there's also a spoilers group in, as well to keep all those dirty spoilers away spoilers so, they burn 
what's, what's your uh, what's your general timeline on spoilers? I I, I have a uh... <laughs> I don't know about forty years. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, we're not there yet. I, I, I think mine's in this this new age. I think it's you have a year after whatever ended. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. If you're gonna watch. If you're going to watch Breaking Bad, you would have watched it. By yeah. Now. You know the, what I mean? The reason why we got two separate groups is because I know there are some people who are actually watch, um, watching it along with us. Yeah, that's right. And they're first-time viewers. Yeah, I, that's, that, that, that's always good. I Maybe I'm showing my ignorance here. I don't feel this is a show that can be spoiled. Um, no, there are certain aspects which I don't want to get out. Let me just yeah, say sure. that. I, yeah. There's always someone who doesn't want to know anything, but yeah. I don't think there's anything anyone could tell me about that show that would be like, are you kidding me? That's what that's what happened. And, all, and, and, there's really? also, yeah, we'll and it's also good to have a, a yeah, spoilers group so somebody can write. Well, what they thought about this? They thought this thing about this episode. How are they going to react when they yeah, see this? Yeah, no, yeah, it's right? it's always good to get uh, to be able to have both sides of the conversation going yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. So we'll go on to our ratings, and of course. Uh, our guests can always go, always, always go first. What um, do you have? Do you have a rating system? Do you go uh, one to ten? One to ten. No one half. to ten. Yeah. No half one scale. To ten. Um, I would probably give this. I'd say probably, but like a seven. I I'd, I'd say the same. I'd say six or seven. Yeah. Probably a seven, just on the strength of uh, the plot. I I think it's degraded since I've watched it. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, I was probably more impressed when I saw it the first time, and now I think they sp- they spend a lot of time on the sussing out of if he's a double or not. It just feels a mm. little, little odd. So yeah, I'd agree with the seven. It's it's one of those episodes where I feel like uh, the the first run through when it just kind of washes over you, it, it's a lot more effective than when you really get into the details. I mean, you know, it, it depends if, if you're if you're the kind of person who really likes. Uh, getting into logic things and stuff, then it's probably going to fall apart pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think it, there's a sweet spot there. That's just a really solid episode. And it's a great, um, inverse of the usual clone doppelganger kind of thing that, uh, you know, like they, it, it, some, one of the, the feedbacks mentioned it on mentioned Star Trek, Star Trek did it at least twice, mm. um, in the original series. And it's, they always kind of did it the same way yep. where it was very clear who was who. And, um, the prisoner heroes are heroic. Yeah. This is, the, this is the era of television where your heroes are heroic. They're not right. going to do anything. Not heroic. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, if this was Star Trek, uh, Number six probably would have saved Curtis from being killed by Rover. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have let that happen. Yeah. So it's and the the prisoner takes it and does a really nice inversion of the way that story usually plays out. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, John. Oh, um, I like this episode. Um, I don't think it's as strong as some of the other ones we've seen. Um, maybe it's just because you know I'm I've seen the 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 double proxy switch plot line so many times um overall i liked it i liked the fact that it they did like we mentioned before they did kind of invert the whole expectation you know by making him bad at everything but uh um i'd probably have to go it's probably a seven out of ten rover eating guy yeah (laughs) it is it is interesting how often this plot pops up in the same kind of time yeah era they uh, they must have been they must have just got that technology <laughs> yes <laughs> and it falls over to me and 
I'm agreeing with everybody else on this. Have we all uh, given seven so far? Yeah. Yeah, what? pretty much. Wow. We're all quadruple gangers of each other here. Yes. And yes, not one of my favorite episodes. Um, but as I said, we've seen this plot so many times before in so many of the different series. So I'm going to have to. So, oh, no, I, I was just going to say, I, you know, I, while I agree with you guys that it is something that's been done a million times, I, I do wonder if it was relatively novel at the time yeah, that they did it. It's always the hard thing. To yeah, it's, it's tough to. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to. Uh, I mean, I, not that I'm saying that should change your opinion of it. I, I've just always been curious as to. I mean, clearly Star Trek had already done it at least once by this point, um, and I don't know. I mean, I Twilight Zone. Maybe they have done. A I'm double? sure they did yeah, something yeah. like it. Twilight Zone um, did a bunch of these. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'm going to have to give this another uh, seven out of ten um, mind readers. <laughs> My, uh, mine will be seven out of uh, ten number two scarves. <laughs> mine would be uh, seven out of ten lumps of dog poop and bacon. <laughs> seven, seven out of ten rejected women because your star refuses to acknowledge. Uh, as always, I want to thank the band Do Not Forsake Me Oh My Darling for letting us use their music as, uh, as um, our theme. Oh, Been awesome. That's great. Very, very kind of them. Um, they uh, so next on the uh, format is our next episode, which is many happy returns. It's always my favorite bit of the episode. Um, so John, what do you think many happy returns actually means? Um, we're gonna have a party, maybe. Uh, um, New Year's obligatory New Year's episode. I, I don't know. Maybe Rover. I think no. <laughs> I think it's about number six finally returning all those videotapes. No, it's number six gets a job in retail, and people are just <laughs> un, are very happily returning their defective uh, product. What's your reason for this return? <laughs> Do you have your receipt? <laughs> yeah, why does he roll his R like that? That's this he's episode, classy right? as shit, Wes. That's why he. Rolls. What does he say? What, what does he say? Do you must uh, the right way or whatever it is. <laughs> That's just an inflection, I think. You must smoke it to the right way. Sorry, guys. Didn't mean to derail that. <laughs> it ain't no problem. It isn't a problem. But I think we're all done. So uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. We haven't got a recording date set for our next episode because our next episode is going to – it's supposed to, is in two weeks today. That will be Easter Sunday. So if you keep an eye on the Facebook the, and the Twitter uh, in a couple of days – Hopefully before this episode goes out, that will be up there. Um, and also I want to apologize for releasing the last episode very, very late. Personal life just got on top of me. Hopefully it won't happen again. Uh, but with saying all that, I think we're all done. So say goodbye, everyone. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, our pleasure. Be seeing, be seeing you. <laughs> thanks, uh, everybody, for listening. And yeah. uh, you can check us out at backinthevillage.com. See yes, you later. Sir. Excellent.